0: This Podcast Movement 2022 audio session is brought to you by Supporting Cast, the best way to sell and deliver exclusive podcasts. And special thanks to PM22 virtual ticket presenting sponsor, Amazon Music.
1: Good morning, Podcast Movement. How we doing this Friday morning? No amount of coffee or blow is gonna get us to where we need to be, but we're gonna make an honest effort to stay present, stay connected, continue with the great conversations that we've been having and the fantastic learning that we've been getting at all of these panels. My name's Matt Kellogg with Soundstack. We're the proud sponsor of The Solution Stage. We are an audio as a service company providing podcast distribution, hosting, monetization, and IAB certified analytics. I've had some conversations this week and I'm just gonna go out and say it, We're pretty good at what we do. So uh, if you have any questions, feel free to go to soundstack.com, book a time with me to talk through a demo, or you can talk to one of our subject matter experts at any given time. We're getting towards the end. So we we gotta dig deep. This next guest that we're bringing up, while he has been pulled over multiple times, he has assured me he has never once been convicted. That either means he has an amazing mind or a fantastic lawyer. Either way, we are very proud to bring up for the State of the Podcast Interviews 2022, Tom Schwab, founder and chief evangelist officer of the State of the Podcast Interviews. Put your hands together for Tom.
0: Thanks, Matt. Thank you so Good morning, everybody. And I want to just thank uh, Matt and... Uh, Their company uh, for sponsoring this and also i just found out he said no amount of coffee or blow will keep us going here well i don't know about the second one but coffee uh i've got it up here i can't go 45 minutes without it and thank them anybody that asks a question gets a starbucks gift card i guess the first five so i'm gonna ask the first four questions and if anybody else wants to so I'm Tom Schwab. I'm the founder and chief evangelist officer of Interview Valet. Uh, We're a podcast interview marketing company. Um, I'm an engineer by training, so I am a geek. We keep data on everything. And everybody's got an opinion, they've got an experience, but if you bring enough data together, then you've got some real insights. And a few years ago, uh, we shared all of our data. We do it once a year exclusively here at uh, Podcast Movement. Uh, So, with that, if you want the slides, the QR code is up there, but it's also pretty small. So if you go to interviewvalet.com forward slash PM22, you can get all the slides there. As I mentioned, we've got a lot of data. We've been doing it for over eight years, uh, over a 1,000 clients on 50,000 interviews, and we've got all of these data points and we look at them every six months to figure out where the trends are going. And I think there's a lot of data in here for both hosts and guests to to help them coordinate a whole lot better there. And you can say, well, what am I doing? Where's the industry going? And so we'll talk about where we are and also the trends we're we're seeing. And I wanna make it all fact-based, right? So I have a whole lot of opinions uh, take them for what they're worth. If I give a projection or opinion, I'll try to say that in the very beginning. Oh, that's where I th- think it going. Sound fair? So we're going to look at where things are and how they've changed. You know, I sort of look at it as we were pre-pandemic, pandemic, and now post-pandemic. And one of the things that drastically changed is where the podcast interviews are being done. How many people are using Zoom? Right, right. Three out of four podcast interviews now are done on Zoom. Before the pandemic, it was less than half. Skype. Skype had lots of interviews before the pandemic. Right now, the only people that are, we see that are really doing Skype interviews are if they're corporate, if they're cybersecurity, uh, but it makes it so easy for the guest and the host because everybody knows how to use Zoom now, right? My mother-in-law, knows how to do Zoom now. There's still some there and, okay, now here's my projection. I think we're seeing the peak of people using Zoom. Zoom is easy, it's inexpensive, but the quality um, is not there. And we'll see some other things here where video quality, audio quality is getting so much more important that we're seeing some of the bigger podcasts now to go to platforms that are recording locally. So things like um, Squadcast, Zencaster, um, Riverside. Uh, The bigger podcasts are starting to do that because they can record locally and then upload it to the internet. So with that, the quality is just better. If you look at how things have changed here, there are still people doing podcast interviews over the phone. And when we first started uh, talking about this data seven years ago, that was a big portion of it. Now, pretty much, almost everything is on Zoom, and that's where we're seeing a lot of the growth there. What's the most common day for an interview, right? I can tell you during the pandemic, the most popular day was the one that ended in Y, right? They were all the same. Pre-pandemic, we saw lots of interviews um, during the week and some on weekends. Then we hit the pandemic and right, every day was the same, right? Any day was good for that. As we came out of the pandemic, especially this year, we saw it go more to pre-pandemic, but even more to like business hours, right? Pre-pandemic, it was still some hobbyists doing it on the weekends, you know, we can be flexible. More and more hosts are saying, no, these are the days I record. And if you look at it, you know Monday, Tuesday, and Wednesday; those are the big days. It's like almost like business hours, right? We'll do it a little bit on Monday and um, Friday, but pretty much it's the begin or the middle of the week. And little disclaimer in here too. With this, this is based on the guest's time zone, not the host time zone. When I actually drill down into that, um, the numbers would be even less on Sunday because what most of those were, were podcasts in Australia. So we were recording them, or the, our clients were recording them on sun, or Sunday evening, but it was Monday for the host. Is that consistent with most of your experience here? Most people doing it sort of Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday? Good, take a long weekend, right? As uh, Joe Sanic says, Thursday is the new Friday. Okay, here's one. Um, from introduction to invitation. And people will say, well, don't you mean pitch? Little uh, opinion here, no data in this. I hate the word pitch, right? You pitch an idea, you pitch a baseball, you should introduce a human being. So we always look at it as introduction. So if you're a guest wanting to introduce yourself to the host, how long is it gonna take them to get back to you? Typically what you're seeing is most of them are getting back within the first week or the first two weeks, right? It drops off drastically. So I get pitched to be on my podcast. Everybody loves it. The only problem is I don't have a podcast, um, but they still love it and wanna be a guest. And I'll have people that'll follow up with me with automated emails for like six, eight weeks. Hey, just checking in again, right? You can pretty much tell if somebody doesn't come in the first week or two to say yes, they're probably not going to. The reason that ours sort of jumps up at the end is often we're introducing another client, right? And then we can follow up and say, hey, you know, we had talked about uh, uh, Tom um, recently and Tom Fox would be a great guest there. So we can follow up later on and that's why it bumps up. But I would say if you're a, uh, a guest, follow up once, but don't just keep pestering them. So we've got it from Invitation, introduction to invitation, right? So you're talking about one to two weeks there. Now we go from being invited to the podcast to recording on the podcast, right? I always say the best podcasts are like doctor's offices or restaurants, right? If there's not a wait, there's a reason and a reason you don't wanna be there. So what we saw over the first six months of this year here is that most of them, the average or the mean is about 40 days. So it's 40 days between when you're invited to be on the show and when it actually records. The more flexible you can be, the faster you can respond to that, the better for you on that. If you look at how that changes compared to previous years, what we're seeing is that, this is um, for 2021, the, the black there. What we're seeing is that during, Sort of that pandemic times, right? People weren't traveling. They were a lot more flexible in their schedule, and so they were recording quicker. So um, typically, when we work with authors, we do a lot of um, nonfiction uh, podcast book tours. We're telling them to start three to five months before the book launches, right? Um, Had a dear friend that came and he was doing a GoFundMe, and he reached out just before Christmas and said, can I use podcast interviews? And I said, I would love to help you, I I love your cause. And he's like, yeah, the GoFundMe starts in January. I'm like, no, it it just won't work, right? Uh, Could get you on podcasts, but not ones that would move the dial. So we went from the introduction to the invitation, from the invitation to the recording, and now you have the recording to when it actually goes live. If you look at this, there's some that go live that first week, I remember before I said, well, if it's a good podcast, it, you know, it takes time. Well, we're seeing more podcasts that are live streamed, so we count those as going live, even if they, um, they post later on uh, on a different medium. So the reason it's going up at the beginning there is more people are live streaming the interviews there, but you're still looking at, the mean time is about 32 days. So, if you're planning out and figure 40 days for the recording and then another 32 before it goes actually live, some of them will go out quite a ways. Um, What we're seeing is that now, post pandemic, there are some people that are booking out, you know, they've got three or four months worth in the can. Um, So, you know, you can always ask somebody, hey, Jerry, my book comes out February 1st. Could you hold the interview to do that? And most, most podcast hosts are more than gracious to do that. But if you say, hey, Jerry, my book comes out next week, you know? I remember asking a uh, host that, and she's like, Tom, I love you like a brother, but you don't understand. Everyone is in the can. One is numbered, references the other. We can't do that. So big thing on that is to plan ahead with that. How many people in here use video in their podcast? It's about about consistent then. Pre-pandemic, it was less than one in five, right? So just, what's that? Two years ago, less than 20% of podcasts had video with them. And even then, they really weren't using them that much. Now, fast forward, we all got comfortable on Zoom. The technology has gotten better, download speeds, all the rest of that. Three out of four podcasts include the video with that and it's interesting because if you look um, youtube now is one of the biggest search engines for podcasts there are people that put their video podcast up there there are even people that put their podcast on youtube with just a static image on the front and it still gets views it still gets transcribed all the rest of that so that's one of the things that we're seeing is that podcasting is becoming more video and How many people in here know what the word pod means in podcast? This is going to be the the show of age, right? I remember asking my two youngest daughters, what does the pod mean in podcasts? And they rolled their eyes and go, I don't know, Dad, what does it mean, right? Because they don't know a world with an iPod. So for them, it's just on-demand media, right? So if they watch it on, on YouTube, They don't care if it's a podcast or not. You know, it's interesting. um, Pre-pandemic, Harvard had a conference uh, called Sound Education on uh, on podcasting. And they did a keynote there, and I thought it was very interesting. There was uh, someone that looked at the similarities between radio and podcasting. And in 1920, radio was called wireless telegraph, right? Made sense guess what people knew, it was wireless telegraph. By 1930, it was called radio. So I always wonder that, you know, if it's called podcasting now, and most people don't know what an iPod is, what's it gonna be 10 years from now? If I knew, I would be buying domains right now. The other thing about video, um, I had said before about, we're seeing more high-level podcasts going to locally recorded, right? So. Squadcast, Zencaster, Riverside, so that they can record locally and then push it up to the cloud so that the quality is better. Video quality is getting to be more and more important, right? Just ask yourself, when you go and look at a video, you can sort of tell when it was recorded, right? You look at it and go, "Ah, it's pretty grainy, it's shaky, it's, it, it was adequate for the time. There was a gentleman, um, Mario Facini from Expert Authority Effect, a few years ago, people said, man, he's crazy. He had like the DSLR, 4K cameras, the, uh, you know, the whole studio around it. And he was like overkill on video. But now he's sort of like leading edge on it with the same things. And the same people that were doing some video back then, it looks really, really dated. And I think that's something that we're telling to all of our clients. You know, Just the same way, you've got to have a professional mic. Right, you can't show up sounding worse than the host. Right, people will compare that. The same thing with video. Right, if you're a guest, highly recommend like a 4K webcam at the very least. You know, something like a Brio costs about $150. At least it gives you the 4K. And some of the guests that are really serious about it will use the the DSLR because that way you get the depth of field. If you ever see something where like the background is a little bit um, fuzzy or out of focus they're probably using a DSLR camera and is it overkill right now I don't know but if somebody goes back and you know um, looks at your podcast two years from now you don't want to go and you know have them laughing at the quality podcasts that are live Um, it's still it's getting more and by live I don't mean in person but live actually streaming it. We're starting to see more and more of that, uh, especially as people are pushing it out to Instagram, um, uh, oh, LinkedIn Live, Facebook Lives, those things. I think we're gonna see more of that. Um, it from a guest and host perspective, you know, if, if you're doing, if Eric Nevins is doing his podcast and it's every Thursday at noon, it takes away some of the flexibility but I think it also helps with the reproducibility um, and the loyalty of the audience. So that's one of those things where we're telling people if you want to get on certain shows and more and more shows now, you've got to be flexible, right? Um, If a guest comes to us and says, well, I want to do interviews, but I only want to do them Thursday from two to 4 p.m. It's like, no, it doesn't work that way. It's like, I want to be on the Today show but I really don't want to travel to New York City and, and get up at 5 a.m. Okay, 4 a.m. I'm sorry, that's, that's when they do it. So from the, that standpoint, I think the, host, the guest has to be more accommodating with that. The number of podcasts, um, there's a lot of talk around this too. We license lots of different databases. If there's a database out there, we're licensing it, getting different data from it. When we're picking podcasts, it's a little bit of data, a little bit of art, and a whole lot of experience. Currently, when I was making the slides last week, there's about 2.5 million podcasts. Of those, less than 400,000 have gone live. So I point this out because Getting on a podcast is often not the challenge, right? Getting on a podcast that's going to be around in thirty days could be a challenge. You know the data says eighty percent of podcasts die within the first ten episodes. right? Anybody that hears this host that has more 10, more than ten episodes, my hat goes off to you right because there's that first fun part where it's like, Oh, this is great, And then it gets hard, right and to push through it. I mean, if, you're, if you've got over 50, you've made that commitment for a year, right? If you're up in the hundreds, I'm sure there's lots and lots of times where you're like, I don't wanna do this anymore. And, and thank you for the, the commitment to your audience there. The reason I put these numbers up here is um, in college, I remember I had a professor that said, Figures never lie, but liars often figure, right? And I I always joke about that. I can bench press 350. I'm not lying. You were thinking pounds, I was thinking grams, right? So, at times, and there's a database out there that will say, you are in the top 1%. Wow, that's great. I'm in the top 1% of all podcasts. Yes, you are, and 85% of podcasts are no longer active, right? So, are you talking about all podcasts or just the active podcasts? And that's one of those things that I would um, warn um, guests as they're looking at shows, right? If somebody says it's a top one percent podcast, well, of what base of of current podcasts or all podcasts? That makes a big difference. Or you know, this this podcast has a million downloads. Well, that doesn't mean your episode will get a million downloads, right? Um, so just take, take the data with a, um, a grain of salt. And if we want to talk about that more, uh, we can jump into that. So what is a big podcast? You know, I'm a data guy, right? I love it when people share their data with me because that's, you can make decisions on that. Libsyn is awesome. Um, Rob Walsh, every year they, um, they pull out their data and they share it. It's usually right, right around in December. And remember, by the terms of service, you can't share the download numbers from a podcast, right? So it's your podcast. You're paying the hosting bill. It's not like I can just go in there and say, hey, show me his data, right? No. The only people that get to see it are the hosting company and the podcast host. But once a year, Libsyn reports, hey, of all the shows we have on Libsyn, right, here's what it looks like. So the average show gets 150 downloads per episode. Top 20% is about 1,200. Top 1% is 36,000, right? I remember talking to a, a client that came to us and she's like, I don't understand it. You know, I was just on a, a radio show that got four million listens, right? I was heard by four million people. Why am I on a podcast that gets listened to by, you know, 10,000? And I was shocked. I'm like, what radio show were you on? And she's like, I don't know. It was one out of Indianapolis. I don't remember the name of it. And was like, no, that was the reach of the podcast, right? If everybody who could get that signal was listening to that station at that time, you'd get heard by four million people. So, you know, you can claim the reach on your podcast is probably what? Five billion, right? There's probably five billion people that have access to internet, right? But you don't want to know what the reach is potential. You want to know how many people are listening to it. And the data says that 70% of people listen to the entire episode. We worked with a client, um, uh, Pete Vargas, great, uh, great guy from Advance Your Reach. And I remember he was speaking at Grant Cardone's event my, uh, um, in Miami there, it's Marlin Stadium. At, yeah, the, the 10X, he was there. There's like 30,000 people. And we was talking to him the night before, and he's like, wow, he was a little bit nervous, right? And I said, don't worry about it. You've talked to more people on that than that on a single podcast, All right? So I think if you look at it that way, how many people have you know talked to 100 people in real life a thousand ten thousand you know often I'll uh, talk with clients and say would you drive across town to talk to a client sure you know would you would you jump on a plane to talk to a hundred ideal clients and most of them are like heck yes right so now with a podcast you know you can jump on a podcast interview and talk to people throughout the world thousands of them I wanted to touch on this. We've never shared our data before on the pay-to-play market in guesting. We do track this. We track what shows um, charge, what they charge, and what their downloads are. So my policy on this, or my thought, is that I'm a capitalist, right? I love the free market, and that podcasters deserve to get rewarded for what they do. But the free market also means transparency, right? A listener should know the difference if it's an interview or an ad. I think that ethically, but also legally, based on legal counsel, and that's Gordon Firemark. If you don't know the man, um, he's been at podcast movements for probably since the very beginning, right? And he's talking about it this afternoon also. And what he has said is that There is a legal obligation between the host for the host and the guest to disclose. Right, so that's the big thing that that I look at is there's got to be full disclosure. There's a couple cases. Have people heard of these? Or there's was one in Bloomberg News, NPR just picked it up last week, and then there's one out of the UK. Pay-to-play has been talked about for quite a few years. Um, Christopher Lockhead. Uh, Christopher Lockhead and Joe Pardo did sort of a point-counterpoint discussion on Eric Hunley's podcast called Unstructured. That was about three years ago. And Christopher was against it, Joe was for it, and it was a great discussion, right? People actually disagreed, and they could talk about it, right? That's what podcasting should be. And so they were able to to talk about this back and forth. Over the last probably six weeks, there's been a lot in the press with it. So Bloomberg News came out and did a story about the subtext on it was payola in, in podcasting. Um, and it's the first time I've ever seen the FTC make a, a, a statement on that. And basically what the, the FTC said, and the, the words in there, I wish they were larger, so I could actually read them, even with glasses. But their point is, is that regardless of the medium, it needs to be clear disclosure on on what the source is, right? And so they made that statement just globally. About a week later, um, there's a organization in the United Kingdom um, called the Advertising Standards Authority. And they came out with a judgment against a podcaster and the guest slash sponsor. And they found them both guilty of deceptive advertising because they weren't clearly saying that it was a paid spot, right? If you think about other mediums, right, um, you know the difference between home, Home Shopping Network and QVC versus 60 Minutes, right? When you turn on the television, you know, you get the disclaimer before and after um, on radio and television that it's a paid spot. Um, Other mediums are doing it, um, and it'll be interesting to see how this plays out with with podcasting. But, you know, our statement on it and our stance is that it's the free market. Podcasters deserve to get rewarded for the work they do, and free market means there has to be clear... Clarity and full transparency, right? Podcast host should know, or podcast listeners should know if it's an interview or an ad. So, I wanted to talk about the limitations of this study, too. We've, we've talked through a lot of the things on here, and you may say, well, does this apply to me, right? couple things interview valet. We work with podcasts in the top 20% of all shows based on downloads, the download numbers we showed there. So does that apply to the other 80% of the shows? I don't know, we don't have the data on that. The other thing is we're working in three verticals, major verticals, business, faith and spirituality, and health, nutrition, and wellness. Does this apply to comedy podcasts? I don't know. Definitely doesn't do apply to sports podcasts and um, uh, a news podcast, right? No sports podcast is going to have 70 days between the invitation and it actually going live. So whatever you're doing, sort of always look at the data, but look at where the data comes from. And my plea that I always do um, every time I put this out is our industry needs more data. Right? I openly share what we learn so that we can get better, you can get better, the industry can get better. Uh, there's a lot of booking agencies now that have popped up and I encourage them, if you've got data, let's pull it together, let's get better data here. Right, The more data points we can get, the better and the more verticals there. So that's the state of podcast interviews, 2022. Uh, we'll be doing an update again in six months on this show you how the um, how it has changed and with that who needs some coffee who's got a
1: question thank you um the podcast i work on focuses primarily on origin stories people telling their own personal biography okay in a faith-based context Uh, what kind of interviews are actually the most popular? Is it something like a personal story? Is it something like a someone, I just wrote a book and I wanna talk about my book? Or is it someone like I'm an expert and I'm pontificating on a particular topic?
0: Okay, great question. So did everybody hear that from Ryan? I haven't drilled down on it. This is like the 30,000 foot view of what I'm seeing. Content is king, but context is God, right? Small g. So if it's a podcast that wants to talk about the founder's stories, right, um, then you focus on that standpoint. If they want to talk about tactics or something like that, you reframe the story to go in there. And that's one of the things that if anybody's applying to be a guest for you, they should know what what your genre is, right? Um, t- are, should you come with tactics, should you come with stories, should you come with your back personal stories, Um, and and know that. So I think the same guest can be on different shows if they present themselves the same way. Now, you mentioned something about a book, too. Um, Years ago, I remember um, Social Media Marketing World. Um, Mike Stelzer, great conference in San Diego. He mentioned something about to get on the stage you need it to either be extremely um, popular, you know? I can either be Kim Kardashian and bring a crowd along with me, or I can write a book. And I'm like, why? And he's like, well, Kim Kardashian sells tickets, and he says, if you have a book, at least I know you have thought through it, you've organized it in such a way, and I can read the book before I invite you on the stage to give a little bit more. So that's one of the things we see with our clients is that It's probably more likely that they'll get booked and invited on a podcast if they have a book. And that's one of the things we always offer the host. We never send it to a host. Um, That's something we've also found. Some hosts, you know, get books in the mail all the time. I'd love to be on your show, right? And they just stack up. Some of our our environmentalists, and it's a reason not to invite you. So I always say, you know, offer it to them. After they've invited you on the podcast, definitely send them a note, send them the book. Does that make sense?
1: Hi, my name is Amy Castles, and I have a faith-based podcast with Whole Health Nutrition and Lifestyle. Okay. And um, bottom line, I want to become a better interview, interviewer, excuse me, and interviewee. But do you, is that something that your company trains on? Because that is an art in itself.
0: It is. It's not something that we have expertise in. Um, There's a lady... I wish I could remember her name. Uh, She was on... Jamie J. Stop Writing the Pines podcast. That's where I heard her from. I'll find the name for you. She's an NPR um, journalist. And she wrote a book on it. She talks about it. She's the one I always send people to. And what struck me about her is she talks about it's not being an interviewer, it's being a conversationalist, right? Because being an interview means I've got 10 questions. Number four is a gotcha, you know, and I'm trying to do sensationalize there. I think podcast interview is almost a misnomer, right? And early on in podcasting, It was almost like early television, right? It's painful to listen to now, right? When you get a guest on and, hey, I'm going to ask you the same 10 questions no matter what, right? It was very formulaic. It was easy for the host, easy for the guest, but it got old really quick. I think where podcasting is going is an intimate conversation conversation and so that's
1: exactly what we've done and we have 42 episodes now and we have uh it's all just it's been conversation that felt authentic doing the stuffy interview just was it wasn't authentic and didn't feel right so it's been more conversational so okay but i'll I'll still i'll uh,
0: get you that information afterwards i'll look her up um but i would say yeah focus more on the conversation being curious um and you know, it used to be a compliment. Man, Amy, you're a great conversationalist, right? Nobody says that anymore, it's, but it's so rare that I think the great podcasters um, that you look that out there um, are becoming more and more great conversationalists, not great interviewers. There's great interviewers on 60 Minutes, great conversationalists on podcasts.
1: Get excited, I got a data question for you. <laughs> um, I'm curious if you guys have any data on seasonal uh, in, it, regarding um, like the time it takes for scheduling from invitation to recording. That's yes. something that we've seen a big slump in every year. In the summer, I, I end up scrambling for interviews, and then I'm trying to get as many people, anyone on that I can, because I'll finally get in contact with someone in the summer, and they'll say, oh, great, Like, let me pick something schedule." And then they're like, I picked a day in October, the last week in October. And it's the beginning of June, and I'm still scrambling to get episodes out in real time. So I'm wondering if you, if that's something that you see kind of across the board. Do you generally see a slump in summer? Is there different seasons where uh, people are more willing to kind of get right on? And you know, I'm just curious about uh, that.
0: Ver- very much so. And we see it from the Guest side reaching out to hosts on, you're four so who' is three from three. pretty much the second week in right January, there. things speed up through about Memorial Day right and most of our podcasts that we work with are u s based right so it doesn 't vary or that influences the data so that 's the busy season, and then we go into what we call the dark ages that 's the summertime right and Over the pandemic, we didn't see any seasonality, right? But now we've seen it and it was actually worse, I'd say this year, than it was pre-pandemic because nobody had been anywhere, right? Hosts don't wanna record, um, guests don't wanna record. And so what we were seeing is that going into summer, a lot of hosts were booked out two months, right? They had built that up already And then they took some time over the summer and all the rest of that. And now what we're coming into is we call it, internally, we call it the harvest, right? Between Labor Day and um, Thanksgiving, that's when podcasters want to say yes again. They're back working. We actually saw it a little bit start early this year. And I am. I'm from Michigan, right? So by law, we couldn't start school till after Labor Day. Now they start in it before. So I think summer has sort of ended a little bit earlier. So I would say from a host standpoint or a guest standpoint, just realize that there's going to be the dark ages between Memorial Day and Labor Day and from Thanksgiving to the second week in January. So plan accordingly. So um, make sure you've got some in the can, so you can take time off and you can do um, uh, other ones. The one thing we saw is if you ever want to get Australian guests, you're much more likely to get them over our summer, right? Because it's their winter, um, it's their year-end, all the rest of that. So just trying to, to be more creative on that. Yes?
1: Hi. Um, So my company has a podcast that's kind of a niche topic. Um, So do you think it could ever be beneficial to bring in a guest that's maybe more outside our industry, but maybe has like a bigger following or could bring in more people with like name recognition more so than like someone in our industry, but no one's ever heard of them?
0: How niche is niche?
1: It's college financing.
0: Oh yeah. So I don't think that's, I don't think that's that niche, right? So often, people will say, we've just got to bring people on in the industry, and it becomes very almost inbred. Everybody knows everybody. Um, one of the great things that you can always do is at the end of every interview, when you're talking to the guest, if they were good, say, do you know anybody else that would be interesting for this podcast? Um, and to sort of that get that expand outside of your network, um, and bring a different viewpoint on it, um, diversity of ideas and viewpoints and everything, even you know, college financing probably looks a lot different here than it does in, in other parts of the world, and to bring those in. And I think those are very interesting um, conversations because it's ideas that people haven't thought of before. And sometimes you think about it and say, well, I gotta bring a big guest because they bring the audience with them, right? Um, Dave Ramsey. Love him dearly, respect him, all the rest of that. If Dave Ramsey comes on your podcast, he's not going to promote it, right? But if you get somebody that hasn't done podcasts before, they're going to be excited. They'll start doing that. And I think of um, John Roman, uh, Front Row Dads, great podcast. He was talking to different people. And he asked one time, do you know anybody that's like a great dad that would be a great story and I said, the one that really struck me was a buddy I went to college with. You know, he put his military career together um, and his family, all the rest of this. And he's like, oh, I'd love an introduction with them. Well, they get introduced. When he does the interview, Admiral Harris was on an aircraft carrier off of South Korea, did the interview through there. When he got off, he was like telling everybody that he was just on this podcast. When he got back to the Pentagon, he was sharing the podcast with everybody, right? He's got like no social media following, right? Goes with the security clearance, but he told Roman's ideal audience, which is sort of you know young fathers there about it, and now his you know his um, his audience has really expanded from there. So I think being creative can help. One more question, hey Tom. One of the clear themes of this conference has been video. Any innovations in One to one interviews using video. If anybody don't know Tom Fox, he's a OG in podcasting. Here, I met him on my first podcast. One, if you figure out where Tom's going, follow him. One to one interviews. I think the local recording is the biggest thing. I think lighting, um, video training, right. Look at Mario Ficini, right? How he does it, you would swear he's in a a small space, but you swear he's in a four camera studio, just the way it's set up. I, I think those things look a lot more professional. The other thing is to look at different industries, right? You look at television, remember the beginning of the pandemic where everybody was on Skype, they had it on their lap and you were looking up their nose, right? That got old really quick, and they started to figure out really quickly, okay, we got to do the cameras, we got to do different things there, and they were able to do it in their quote-unquote home studios very, very quickly, and I think you can do it with just some webcams um, and just some good lighting, but it's one of those things where figure out somebody that's already done it and then learn from them. And with that, I'll give you the disclaimer too. Uh, My microphone makes me sound good. My team makes me look good. So uh, lighting doesn't help me that much.
1: Well, thank you so much, everyone. I'll stick around here a little bit if you have any questions.